the 10th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and on Wednesdays, we'd like to take a look at a book of the Bible, and we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, written by Solomon under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is really a collection of tremendous verses expressing the will of God for our lives. How do we live? How should we live? And of course, it really is talking about the area of sanctification. Uh, There are three uses that God makes of the law. Uh, The first, of course, is given to the government, where they are told, punish evildoers, keep things straight. Uh, The second use of the law is by the church to show people that they are sinners. And the third use of the law is simply information about God's will. And a lot of Proverbs is about that, information about God's will. If you want to talk to me or write to me about what I'm about to say, my new email address is tombaker at brick.net. That's B-R-I-C-K dot net. Tombaker at brick.net. Today we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 20, beginning with verse 21. This is part two in what God is talking about, how to deal with fools. Verse 21, an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Now, what does that mean? This is why you really need a pastor to help explain passages in the Bible. Because Scripture interprets Scripture. So this is very important to understand that Jesus used a lot of these proverbs from Solomon to express his point of view. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning or a parable gained quickly in the beginning. That's what the inheritance is not going to be blessed in the end. Well, can you think of a time that an inheritance was gained quickly? Well, the passage that comes to mind is Luke chapter 15. This is the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and what I like calling the parable of the two sons. A lot of people recognize it as the parable of the prodigal son. It begins in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Now, I understand that probably better than do most individuals because my father is a life insurance salesman. I cannot imagine 
ever coming up to my father and saying, you know, Dad, I'm really short on money. When am I going to get the money from the wills that you have given to the family? Because that money isn't going to be available till after he dies. In fact, this kind of fits with something earlier in the book of Proverbs, that he who curses his parents shall be put to death. That was a rule for the nation of Israel. That's how important God believed parents were. And believe it or not, is cursing his father. He wants him to die so he can have the share of property that is coming to me. The end of verse 12 is amazing. And the father divided his property between them. He had two sons. So he divided it ahead of time. This is not normal behavior in the day of Jesus. If a father had been approached by any of his sons and asked for the inheritance, he would beat the sons because they were really cursing the father. They were hoping he would die. And so the father does something that would be unheard of in the day of Jesus. This is often what you find in the barrels, something that really surprises you. And he divided his property between them. Now, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey into a country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, you got to remember for Jews at the time of Jesus, pigs were unclean. And therefore, not only did he lose all this money that had been given to him in the inheritance, but now he was working with unclean animals, pigs, and nobody gave him anything. Now, verse 17 and 18, I, I believe, is often misunderstood by those who are reading the Bible. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Now, the English doesn't make it clear that a hired servant is really an individual 
who makes a lot of money because he's independent. He's not a slave of the farmer, but he comes and works for the farmer and he gets pretty good money. And it says when he came to himself, that verse 17 needs to be understood. And there's a tremendous Presbyterian scholar named Ken Bailey who's written a few books on parables of the Bible. In fact, there was an occasion when he was at the seminary doing graduate studies, and I and my friend James Veltz, we would go to his apartment and listen to his understanding of the parables that he had learned from being many years in the Near East. And he tells us that when the people in the Near East read this parable, this was not a action of repentance on the part of the son. It was an action of manipulation. He knows what his father needs to hear. I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but give me a new job as one of your hired servants. There's no repentance there. He wants to come back and get the food he wants, and he thinks he can do that by pretending that he feels that he is repentant. But as he rose and came to his father, it says while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I don't think you realize how important that was in that parable. This is totally unexpected. First of all, the father sees him from a far way off, and therefore he had probably been waiting at the well, gate of the city for his son to return. And why did he run to his son, which is really embarrassing for an adult father to do because by running to his son he has to probably show his legs and one of the things missionaries are told when they go to the near east don't be hurrying around people will not have any respect for you thinking that you don't know how to handle your life so he arose and the father saw him felt compassion ran, embraced him, and kissed him. Now listen to what the son says. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, period. The son no longer asked for the best paying job on the farm. This is true repentance. When we go to God and in grief, confess to him, that we are worthless human beings deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. And what did the father do? He quickly tells his servants, quickly bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. 
and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they begin to celebrate. Now, what was the best robe? The best robe would have been the father's robe. You, as a believer in Jesus Christ, are dressed in the best robe, the white robe of righteousness that God gives you when you are justified by grace through faith on account of the work of Jesus Christ. Now, the story goes on that the older son, who, by the way, has also received half of the inheritance, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and he asked one of the servants, what do all these things mean? And he said, your brother has come. Your father has killed a fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. And he said, look, these many years I've served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But with this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes. Now, that's what the older son says. There's no evidence that occurred. But you killed a fattened calf for him. And the father says to the older son, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But it is fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead, is alive, is lost, and he is found. Now, that's the end of the parable. But in a sermon I gave many, many years ago, I said, how do you think the older son responded to the father? Did he come in and join in the celebration? Or did he do something else? And the answer I gave was that he struck the father dead. What? Well, you see, Luke 15 has three characters. To keep that in mind, that's how the chapter starts. It starts with the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribe grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son are really standing for tax collectors and sinners who finally do repent when they recognize what the Father has done for them. That Jesus gives you his best robe by dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And therefore, that's why I said that the Pharisees and scribes, they plot the death of Jesus. So that's pretty long explanation for one verse, 21 of Proverbs 20. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning 
will not be blessed in the end. And so the older son, remember, received part of the inheritance also. But he was not blessed because of his anger. And the younger son was not blessed because he misused his inheritance and ended up working with unclean pigs. But in Christ Jesus, you are saved by God's grace. So an inheritance gained quickly at the beginning will not be blessed in the end. You, you can turn to YouTube and go to FBI files and you will find children who murder their parents in order to get the inheritance. They gain it hastily at the beginning. And what is their blessing? Years in jail because of their murders. So verse 21 has a lot to say to us about how we are to deal with our parents. Verse 22, do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. Now, there's a verse inspired by the Holy Spirit that Paul uses in Romans chapter 12, which is the message of Jesus Christ, verses 19 and 20. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And then it goes on to the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, what is the opposite of not forgiving someone? It is taking revenge on them. I often think that many Christians don't really understand what forgiveness is. Uh, for example, somebody may have said something about them that hurts them, or they may have done something to their family. Uh, maybe it was a drunk driver that ran over and injured a child. And you'll often hear the father or mother say, I will never forgive them. But the fact of the matter is, anytime somebody says that to me, I always ask them this question. Oh, how are you going to get even with them? And they say, well, I'm not going to do anything. I've, I've called the police and they're taking care of it. It reminds me of the time I was working for Yellow Cab when I was at the seminary. And I got robbed by four youth. They actually put a gun through an open window I had in my cab and they stole money I had, etc. Now, they didn't shoot me, but as soon as they had the money, they turned and began to run away. Now, I was a pretty good driver. I could have turned the cab towards them and I could have run over them. But I decided instead to forgive them. 
and I went right to the police, and I let them know. In, in other words, I went to God, and I wanted him to deliver me and other cab drivers. So when it says, do not say, I will repay evil, what Solomon is saying is, don't ever say, I'm going to get even with you. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver or rescue you. This actually forbids, therefore, private revenge. And when you do not do private revenge, in a sense, you have forgiven the person because you are not going to get even with them. And you will wait for the Lord who will deliver you. That's a really important verse, verse 22. Then we go to verse 23, which, by the way, is the same as chapter 20, verse 10. Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord, and false scales are not good. So what's God talking about here? He's talking about when you do business. And you got to remember that in Solomon's day, a lot of it was agricultural business. So somebody would grow grain, and then they would take it to the merchant who would weigh it. And what God is saying here, if he had a different or unequal weight and dishonest or false scales, that is not good. Let's say, putting it in our terms, the grain weighed 10 pounds, but the mer merchant's scale said it only weighed nine pounds. So the farmer would be getting less money than he would deserve. This happened many a time, uh, particularly when Israel was taken into Babylonian captivity because they were not cheating only in the area of business, but also in making idols out of wood and metal and then falling down and worshiping them, much like they had done with the golden calf at Mount Sinai. This is considered an abomination to the Lord and he will not permit it to continue. Verse 24, a man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? Now, what is that talking about? A man's steps are from the Lord. Uh, another way of translating that is, a man's steps are directed by the Lord. No person has autonomy where he can do what he wants when he wants. This just happened to me, oh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my wife and I were returning from preaching at a double church. It was a Thursday night, and it was dark out. We were on a 
four-lane highway, Highway 67, and there were no gas stations around, no houses or anything, and our front right tire blew up. It just blew up. I thought I had run over something, but the more I began that had been leaking and supposedly had been fixed, but had not been fixed to the point where it didn't blow up. Now, my steps were to go all the way home, but God interrupted it with a blown tire. And yet what happened? I was able to go along the side of the expressway. I've been going 60 miles an hour and slow down, and I came to an intersection. It was totally dark out, and yet there were no houses. Within a minute, three cars came up to the intersection ready to cross the highway. And in one of the cars was a sister, and in another car was a brother. They were coming back from a barbecue. And they saw my lights blinking and recognized the front right tire as blown. And the man, the brother, came over, and he was able to take the tire out of the trunk he had to lift the car a little bit to get the wheel up in the air, and he changed the tire. And steps are directed by the Lord. So you may not be understanding your way, but as you rely on God, all things work together to your good because your steps are directed by God. Tomorrow's Law and Gospel will continue with some more information for you. Till then, Listen to Law and Gospel God bless you. morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.